Welcome to your Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information. From the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic Drive Time. Now here's your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. This is not your host, Joe McClain. In fact, this is Adrian Fonseca, your producer, And today we have a special show for you because it is the Feast of the Immaculate Conception. So Joe and Rudy and I will all be off today. We'll be heading to Holy Mass because today is, in fact, a Holy Day of Obligation. So try to get yourself out to Mass. If you can possibly do so at all, then make sure you get out there. And also, if you can, you know, abstain from work as much as you can today. Do something special for Our Lady. Offer up an extra rosary. Pray something special. Give some honor to Our Lady on this special feast of the Immaculate Conception. We'll be back tomorrow with our regularly scheduled programming. But for today, we have a special show lined up for you. And we are going to have our good news section of the day. No breaking news. And then we have a great interview on the Immaculate Conception. You're not going to want to miss this interview that's going to play through the second, third, and fourth segment today. If you can join us and in the second hour, there's going to be no game show because it is not live. And so there's not going to be a game show. So don't call in. You will be able to call in tomorrow because we're back to our regularly scheduled programming starting tomorrow, just like normal. Uh, Praise be to God. In the second hour, we're going to have Kendra Tierney on to talk about liturgical living and how can we celebrate Advent during this special season? We can try to have some of the penitential aspects, some of the celebratory aspect, and mostly the the waiting aspect, the looking forward to the coming of the Christ child on Christmas Day. All right, we're going to stop. Uh, I'm not going to talk too much more. We'll hear about what Joe, Rudy, and I did over the one-day break for the Immaculate Conception uh, tomorrow. I won't try to waste any more of your time. We're going to do good news section. We're going to do Saint of the Day. Gospel of the day, Joe's going to give a brief uh, reflection, and then we're going to jump right into the interview uh, with Father Ed Boone uh, with in the second hour in just one moment. And uh, well, first, we've got a—it's Broom, my mistake. It's Father Ed Broom, and we're going to uh, do a, a prayer memorare and jump right into it. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost, Amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, we fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do we come, before thee we stand sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. And now your good news section with Rudy Carlos. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm Rudy Carlos, and now your good news story. Epic Times reports Domino's Pizza founder Tom Monaghan's American success story. When Tom Monaghan was four years old, his dad passed away. His mother couldn't handle raising two little boys by herself, so she dropped them off at the orphanage and set out to try to rebuild her life. Tom and his brother spent their formative years with the Polish nuns at the orphanage. It was there Tom learned about the faith that would one day become the driving force in his life. Tom speaks fondly of the nuns at the orphanage and about developing a work ethic while working on what were called the foster farms, which were working farms staffed by children in the foster care system. Not long after graduating high school, he joined the Marines. 
Tom was ambitious. After his honorable discharge from the Marines, he knew that he wanted to be in business. His brother Jim had heard about a guy who was wanting to sell his pizza restaurant, so Tom and Jim put down $500 and got a loan for $900 and bought Dominic's Pizza. Less than a year after buying the business, Jim gave his ownership to Tom in exchange for the VW Beetle they were making deliveries with. Tom renamed the business to Domino's Pizza Incorporated, and when he couldn't pay to rent a room, he slept under the pizza table. Tom says that he demanded a lot of himself and his employees, but no one resented it. They all had a camaraderie that led to Tom being the best man at the weddings of the people he worked alongside. And theirs wasn't the only wedding in those early days. Tom met his wife Marjorie while making a pizza delivery. That's the providence of God right there. He simplified the process of making quality pizza, perfected it, and then taught others how to do it. It's been rumored that his fastest time at making a pizza was clocked at 11 seconds. He also pioneered the creation of the corrugated box, which kept pizzas hotter throughout delivery. Within seven years of purchasing his first pizzeria, Tom opened the first franchise. The seeds of faith that were planted by the nuns at the orphanage continued to grow throughout Tom's life. Therefore, it's no surprise that retirement for Tom Monaghan didn't mean a life of leisure. This Marine embarked on, a, on the second half of his life that became even more significant than the first. When asked what he wanted to do with the rest of his life, Tom said, Life is short, death is certain, and eternity is forever. I want to go to heaven, and the most important thing I can do with God's money is to help others get to heaven too. He continued, I came into the world penniless. As a Catholic Christian, I know that I cannot take any of it with me. So as long, so it has long been my desire to use the material resources that I have been blessed with to help others in the most meaningful ways possible. He went on to say, I would not be living out my faith if, it, if I didn't use the abundant resources God has given me to help others. And he's made great strides towards that goal. Tom sold his ownership of Domino's Pizza, his collection of cars, houses, aircraft, and his beloved baseball team, and he returned his attention to establishing organizations that would advance his mission of helping people go to heaven. His, mo his post-retirement projects are big and far-reaching. Among them are the Ave Maria Foundation, which focuses on Catholic education, media, community projects, and charities. One of the projects he founded was the publication of the Worldwide Catechism of the Catholic Church. Tom also founded the Ave Maria School of Law and built the surrounding town of Ave Maria, Florida. What an amazing story to use all of the resources and talent that God has given you to build his kingdom. Uh, please pray for him and his family. That's incredible. And that was your good news story for today. God love you. The saint of the day is Saint Patipus, who was born in 380 in the Egyptian city of Thebes. His father was a governor of the region and a, descent and, and a descendant of a well-known Egyptian family. He and his wife were devout Christians and instructed Patipus in scripture. Patipus reached a mature age and well-known tutors were brought from Alexandria to instruct him in science, mathematics, philosophy, and rhetoric. Through this education, he became acutely aware of how transient this world is and how and was attracted to the ascetical way of life. He was particularly inspired by Clement's origin in Athanasius. His father also took him to the renowned Catechetical School of Alexandria, where Patipus came under the influence of a blind teacher named Didymus. Didymus inspired him even further to desire the ascetical path he had chosen. When he finished his studies, he returned to Thebes to find out that his father had passed away. Desiring to live a life like an ascetic, he decided to leave for the Egyptian desert where he became well known for his ascetic deeds. 
No longer able to find peace in the desert, he set off for Constantinople in 428. During his voyage, voyage he met his disciples Shanuti, who was an Egyptian rower. During this voyage, their ship passed near Corinth, where they stayed for seven years. By 435, after seven years in Corinth, Patipus left his skeet in the, in the Granian Mountains to resume his journey to Constantinople. In Constantinople, they secretly went to the monastery of Blancherne, where he obtained a cell in the city wall. Patipus kept his identity a secret and resumed a life of strict fasting, vigil, and prayer under the guise of a simple monk. When he, here he performed many miracles of healing. After a life adored with virtue and miracles, he died at a great age of 83. In 463, and was buried by his disciple in the church of St. John the Baptist in Constantinople of Petras, of stone, which was under the protection of the royal family of Constantinople, Paleologia, Paleologi, and especially of St. Hippomani, who was the mother of the last emperor of Byzantium, Constantinople, Constantine Palaiologos. Wow, these Greek names I have utterly butchered, uh, but and I apologize for that. The relic of the saints in the 20th century, a local priest discovered the relics of the saint hidden in the wall. He was unnaturally tall priest who regularly served this small chapel, and because of his height, commissioned some changes to the chapel. At night, before the works of the Western Wall were to commence, Father Constantine had a dream in which a monk warned him, Take care when you break the wall, because I am on the other side. I am St. Patipus of Egypt. He was found the next day holding a large wooden cross on his chest, a parchment of scroll with his identity, and large leaves covering his relics as fresh as they had been picked that very moment. Since his relics have been discovered, many people have visited by the saints in visions and dreams, asking them to visit his, Laos, his house in Lautraki. He is especially known for healing cancer, and miracles occur worldwide throughout the world, including Australia and America. Saint Patipus, pray for us. Praise be to God in all things. The gospel today comes to us from Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 38. The angel Gabriel was sent from God to a town of Galilee called Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man named Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And coming to her, he said, Hail, full of grace, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at what was said and pondered what sort of greeting this might be. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of David his father, and he will rule over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. But Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I have no relations with a man? And the angel said to her in reply, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age. And this is the sixth month 
for her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible for God. Mary said, Behold, I am the handmaid of the Lord. May it be done to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. St. Ambrose would say, Mark the virgin by her manner of life, alone in an inner chamber, unseen by the eyes of men, discovered only by an angel, as it said, as it is said, and the angel came unto her, that she might not be dishonored by any ignoble address. She is saluted by an angel. Close quote, St. Ambrose, pray for us. There are so, we could spend literally hours, many people have, of course, diving into this passage. This is such a rich and rightful uh, Old Testament typology coming to its perfection and its peak here in Luke's gospel. I mean, the, the parallels between Daniel and Luke are just utterly amazing. Father Raymond Brown, in his gospel commentary, makes this really a playground for biblical scholars to go and to think about how the, the uh, 70 weeks prophecy comes to its fulfillment through these two annunciation narratives, John the Baptist, now Jesus, and into the presentation of the temple, it is just mind-blowing. Even the math works out. It's so incredible when you read Father Brown and his uh, gospel commentary on this particular passage. I mean, but when you look at, say, the Holy Ghost overshadowing her, just like it did in the, in the uh, tabernacle in the wilderness or in the, in the temple uh, that Solomon built, and God's presence dwelling there, and you think about the ramifications of what that means for Our Lady. But here is a little bit of the Ignatius Catholic Study Bible from today. The call to rejoice echoes Old Testament, Testament passages that address daughter Zion. In the prophets, this refers to Mother Jerusalem, whose faithful children will rejoice in the Messianic age because God has chosen to dwell in their midst. Mary, chosen to be the virgin mother of the Messiah, is greeted with the same summons because she is the embodiment of faithful Israel and the most privileged recipient of Yahweh's Messianic blessings. Full of grace. Que care tomene. She is the full of grace. She always was and she always will be the full of grace. She is full of God's grace. What an amazing thing to ponder today. Praise be to God. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. More Catholic Drive Time is headed your way. Howdy, this is Adrian Fonseca, producer of the Catholic Drive Time Show. Heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central and 7 a.m. Eastern, right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. And I'm proud to tell you that Real Estate for Life is an underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. Real Estate for Life connects home buyers and sellers to real estate agents while supporting pro-life organizations, offering their clients a faith-based experience. They are online at realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org. God love you. Many Protestants believe Christians can be absolutely sure they're going to heaven because John tells us in 1 John 5.13, I write this that you may know you have eternal life. But is this true? The answer is no, and here are some reasons why. First, John writes in the next verse, and this is the confidence which we have in him. For John, the knowledge we have of our salvation is not a certainty without doubt. 
but a confident assurance. And that's the Catholic belief. Second, we know this is what John means because in verse 15, he draws a parallel between our knowledge of salvation and our knowledge that God grants our requests. Do we have absolute certitude that God will grant our requests? No, but we are confident he will answer. So Catholics need not worry. John is not teaching Protestant doctrine here. I'm Carlo Broussard with the ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. also an associate pastor at uh, St. Peter. Uh, is it Channel Church in Hawaiian Gardens, California? No, St. Peter Chanel. St. Yes. Peter Chanel. I was going to get that right eventually, I'm sure. But Father, <laughs> welcome to the program. Thank you for your time today. Thank you. Great to be with you. Now, we are celebrating the incredible feast day of the Immaculate Conception of Our Lady, and, uh, and we wanted to have a great opportunity to conversate about what this means, what the Church teaches, and why it's important for us to celebrate this particular feast day. Let's start with what is—let's define terms. I'm sure there are some people still probably thinking it has something to do with Jesus, but maybe you can clarify. Yes, there's a lot of confusion in what is called the virginal conception and the Immaculate conception. So the virginal conception refers to Jesus being, being conceived in Mary. We find in the Annunciation when Mary said, Behold, I am the handmaid of the Lord, be done to me according to thy word. Then Mary conceived Christ through the Holy Spirit. So that refers to Jesus being conceived in Mary. Whereas the Immaculate Conception refers to Mary's conception in the womb of St. Anne, who was her mother and her father was St. Joachim. So in the very moment of Mary's conception, what happened was God preserved Mary from the stain of original sin. Um, that's, in a, in a nutshell, that's really what it is. But a lot of people confuse the virginal conception, which, which refers to Jesus being conceived in Mary, and the Immaculate Conception, which is Mary being conceived in the womb of St. Anne. And the word that the uh, theologians would use would be being preserved from the contagion of sin, being preserved. Uh, I know a, a lot of non-Catholics in particular would feel like this was an overreach, that we were you know, getting away from our Lord by focusing too much on Our Lady. What would we say as Catholics? Quite the contrary. Uh, we really believe that, I'd like to quote St. Louis de Montfort, True Devotion to Mary, as well as John Paul II, that Mary is the quickest, the easiest, the most secure pathway to Christ. She never blocks our union with Christ. The, probably the best apologetic response to that question would be, go to John chapter 2, verse 1 to 12, which you have the wedding feast of Cana. Jesus turned water into wine, but it was through the intercession of Mary. And Mary uh, said, there's no more wine. And then Jesus says, my hour has not yet come. And then uh, Jesus, Mary says to the servants, do whatever he tells you. And then uh, Jesus turns water into wine. So Mary's not blocking Christ, but she's actually magnifying Christ. Even in the Magnificat, Mary says, 
My soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, because he has done great things for me. So Mary's not so much exalting herself, but she's she, she's exalting Christ, her Savior. You know, Father, I was, uh, I've was i been recently looking into St. Maximilian Kolbe and his commentaries on the Immaculate Conception, and I just didn't realize how deep the tradition in the Franciscan uh, history was in regards to the, into the uh, Immaculate Conception. St. Leonard of Port Maurice was one of the huge advocates that got prelates to start uh, advocating for the Declaration of the Immaculate Conception. But there's this quote from uh, St. Maximilian Kolbe that really has stirred in my heart to become more of a Marian maximalist. And he says, quote, we want to belong to such an extent to the Immaculate that not only nothing else remains in us that isn't hers, but that we become, as it were, annihilated in her, changed into her, transubstantiated into her, that she also, uh, she alone remains. So that way we may be as much hers as she is God's. Well, that's beautiful. It's true. Colby had a great, great, great love for for the Blessed Virgin Mary, especially the Immaculata. Probably know that um, he lived in a time in which the Masons were very strong. And he probably know also that he, he obviously born in Poland, but he actually studied in Rome to get his uh, doctoral thesis. And he set up what is called the, the Militia of the Immaculata. And one of the primary purposes of the Militia of the Immaculata was to fight against the Masons. And our, one of our charisms is oblates of the Virgin Mary is we, we give the spiritual exercises, promote Marian devotion, promote good literature, the formation of laity as well as priests. But one of our primary works as oblates is to fight against current heresies. And um, our founder said that Mary is the conqueror of all heresies. When a heresy raises his ugly head is through the intercession of Mary that these ugly heresies. I love what you said. I mean, you can tell Colby has such a great love for the Immaculata and uh, maybe you know that he would carry miraculous medals with him and wherever he'd go, he would give these miraculous medals. He called them his spiritual bullets that he would give to people and try to get people to love Mary through through the use of the uh, the medal, not that we're adoring the medal, but we love what it represents, the medal. And um, we're trying to specify, technically it's called the Medal of the Immaculate Conception, but in it's be become known as the Miraculous Medal because there's so many miracles that are attributed to this, this, uh, this wonderful, sac wonderful sacramental. Yeah. One of the things I loved about Maximilian Kobe was that he would, uh, nobody was off limits to him. He would literally try to talk to everybody he encountered, Jews, Gentiles, Nazi soldiers. It didn't matter to him. Uh, he would uh, have no fear in talking to them about the Immaculata and then trying to give them a miraculous medal. Let's talk about the mar miraculous medal then. Uh, Father Ed Broom is our guest, by the way, Oblates of the Virgin Mary. We're talking about the Feast of the Immaculate Conception. Where did we get the medal? What is the story behind this miraculous medal that you just mentioned? Great. Um I was reading up into this morning uh, in 1830 in a convent in Paris on the street Rue de Bac, there was a humble Vincentian nun, and her name was uh, Catherine Labore, and she, a uh, very humble uh, sister of the Byzantine order. It's, I think it's one of the most 
fabulous operations, and I think it's underestimated the, the value of it, and not too many people know about it, like Lourdes and Fatima and Guadalupe. Uh, but this is what happens. She's in her, she's in her bedroom, and someone goes into her room to wake her up, and it it seems to be a little a little child who's really an angel and told her to go into the chapel. And there in the chapel, someone is waiting for her. So uh, Sister Catherine gets up, she gets dressed, and she uh, goes in the chapel. And there, sitting in the presidential chair of the priest, was the Blessed Virgin Mary. Wow. And she was sitting there, and she beckoned Mary, or rather, she beckoned Catherine to come closer. And Catherine draws close and actually places her hands in the lap of the Blessed Virgin Mary. And they have a wonderful conversation. And to kind of make a long story short, Mary uh, tells Catherine that she wants a medal made. And you have the front of the medal and you have the back of the medal. Um, if you want, we could actually explain the whole symbolism of the medal. Uh, yeah, please do. Okay, uh, so the, the, the front of the medal, you have the words around the medal, which are originally in French and now in many, many languages. And it is, O Mary, conceive without sin, pray for us who have recourse to thee. And then you have, you have a, a, an image of Mary, Our Lady of Grace, there are many titles. And Mary is, she has her hands open and there are like rays that are flowing from her hand. Then below her feet is a globe, as well as Mary stepping on, she's stepping on, on the serpent. Then if you turn the, the metal around, you're going to see there are 12 stars that are actually circling the back of the metal. And then you have, uh, you have, a, you have, a, have a big cross. And underneath the cross, you have the letter M. And then below that, you have two hearts. And one of the hearts has a sword piercing it. The other heart has, uh, has thorns circling it. So uh, honestly, if we really want to do a good Marian catechesis, I don't think there's any better short catechesis than giving out the medal. There's, I mean, I've just explained it, but if you, know, you want to unpack the the spiritual theological meaning, there's so much in it. It's such such a, I, I always carry my rosary. I have my scapular. In my scapular, I have I have the miraculous medal. So I've got, I got Amen. the rosary, scapular. And one thing about the miraculous medal that really, really strikes me is the fact that when Captain Elaboré uh, saw this vision, there were rays of light that were not being had. And and the Catherine asked, so what's up with that? How why is that why is that the case? And Our Lady said, Well, these represent the graces that I desire to give, but nobody asks for them. And that really struck me to start asking Our Lady, give me that grace that I'm not asking for, that I should be asking for. Uh, could you talk about that, how much Our Lady desires to give us grace? Yeah. I was reading that this morning also. Yes, she's so 
in love with God, and she loves she loves what God loves, which is the salvation of souls. That's what Mary wants. Mary wants she wants souls to be saved, and um, it's true. I, I I've known that for many years. Every time every time I read that, or you've just said it right now, it causes me suffering, because Mary it, she's the full of grace, and so many so many graces can be give to us be given to us. We simply ask her, but um, the theological response would be is that God God does not force himself upon any of us. Rather, God respects our free will. And um, the biblical passage I like to use is Matthew chapter 7, 7, which is ask and you receive, seek and you will find, knock and the door will be open. Whoever asks receives, whoever seeks finds, whoever knocks will be open. So, Mary respects our freedom, but I, I'd have to say one other thing, and Colby almost in tears says this, as well as, as St. Uh, Louis de Montfort, is um, St. Louis de Montfort says that Mary is simply not known. So if Mary's not known, then she's not going to be loved. Mm. And if she's not known in love, we're not going to invoke her. So what you're doing now is huge because you're going to have a lot of people listening to you. And as a, as a result of our conversation, people are going to get to know Mary and love Mary. And I'm, I'm sure as a result of this humble program we're doing now, souls are going to be saved because we're going to be bringing people to, to know Mary more and more. So uh, as Colby you know, was an apostle of Mary, um, I, I can't reach the heights of Colby. Uh, I was actually at Praise be to Jesus Christ. We'll be right back after this short break. Don't go anywhere. You won't want to miss the rest of this great interview. This is a Messy Family Minute with Mike and Alicia Hernan. For some couples, praying together is very natural, but for others, prayer may feel awkward or forced. The truth is, there is real power in spouses praying together. So how can couples pray together more? You can begin by blessing each other and your children in the morning, or engage in communal prayer together like the rosary or the mass. You can also ask your spouse, how can you pray for them? Intercede for them and their needs throughout your day as you are driving or cleaning. When parents need guidance in making decisions for the family, this is when the two of you should come before the Lord in faith and ask for help. And when you fall and make poor choices, you should also repent together and ask the Lord for His forgiveness and mercy. Growing in your prayer life is an essential way to develop and deepen your relationship, but also a way for you to support your spouse and love them more profoundly. A threefold cord is not easily broken. To hear more, visit us at MessyFamilyMinute.org. Howdy, this is Adrian Fonseca, producer of the Catholic Drive Time Show. Heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central and 7 a.m. Eastern, right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. And I'm proud to tell you that Real Estate for Life is an underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. Real Estate for Life connects home buyers and sellers to real estate agents while supporting pro-life organizations, offering their clients a faith-based experience. They are online at realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org. God love you. Mary respects our freedom, but I, I'd have to say one other thing. 
And Colby almost in tears says this, as well as, as St. Uh, Louis de Mont Montfort, is um, St. Louis de Montfort says that Mary is simply not known. So if Mary's not known, then she's not going to be loved. Mm. And if she's not known in love, we're not going to invoke her. So what you're doing now is huge because you're going to have a lot of people listening to you. And as a, as a result of our conversation, people are going to get to know Mary and love Mary. And I'm, I'm sure as a result of this humble program we're doing now, souls are going to be saved because we're going to be bringing people to, to know Mary more and more. So uh, as Colby was an apostle of Mary, um, I, I can't reach the heights of Colby. Uh, I was actually at his canonization, which was huge. It was at his canonization. I was studying in Rome in 1980, so it was actually wow. there when John Paul II canonized him and Mother Teresa was there. And the man for whom he gave his life was actually there. So sure, uh, I, that was 41 years ago, one of the great moments of my life. But hopefully as a result of our conversation, the people will try to get to get to know Mary and you get to know Mary, you fall in love with her and you'll fall in love with Christ. So, you know, yeah. I'm always amazed and blown away by God's infinite well of mercy that he has given. I mean, think about it. Not only did he die on a cross to redeem us, to give us the access to, to the possibility of going to heaven. I mean, that that is enough. We don't need any more. And still he goes above and beyond. We have the sacraments. We have the sacramentals. We have Our Lady under how many different titles and promises, yeah. the brown scapular, the, the miraculous medal, and it goes on and on. And I mean, first Saturdays and first Fridays and, for, you know, I mean, it just it's so amazing to me that, uh, you know, God knows we're knuckleheads. And in spite of it all, he gives us this endless font of divine mercy, and still, to the point Adrian made a minute ago, um, we seem so oblivious, and we don't have time, and we don't aren't interested, and we, we can't put the effort in. Yes. Um, I've had the privilege of, of writing a few books, uh, two from Sophia Press, another one was Tan Publishers, another one hopefully be published within the next three and a half months. But... Uh, one book that he actually wrote is Consecration to Mary Through the Mysteries of the Rosary and Through the Seven Sorrows of Mary. And um, that, I think, is, I'm not going to say that my consecration book is better than Colby or St. Louis de Montfort. Mike Gately did a great one. But it's unique in the sense that I'm trying to get the people not simply to pray the rosary, but try to meditate upon the mysteries of the rosary and to talk to Mary as their best friend. So um, and then, uh, once we have Mary as our guide, our life, our sweetness, and our hope, we're on, the, we're, on the, we're on the highway to holiness. And if we don't really have this love for Mary, then our love for Christ is gonna be incomplete. Image I give is, if uh, I invite you to my home, and my, there are nine of us and you're sitting at the table and my mom is still living. She's almost 91. And you greet my brothers and sisters, but you ignore my mother. You're going to be offending the whole broom family because my mom, she's a matriarch. You know? So in a certain sense, just uh, ignore, ignoring Mary is it's, it's not right because she's the one that Jesus chose as a channel by which to come into the world. 
So uh, a loving, really loving marriage, we're loving Christ. And we love Christ and we love God the Father. And hey, we're going to get to heaven if we do that. No doubt about it. <laughs> Father, I like what you said about uh, getting people to know Mary and to, to fall in love with her. Uh, I remember taking some of your courses, maybe about, I want to say almost five years ago now, but that really kickstarted my devotion to Mary. And one of the sad realities of our age is that we try to rationalize the miraculous when it comes to Mary. Um, can you talk about the, the dogma of the Immaculate Conception and, and, and maybe talk, um, let's say, for example, direct this, this answer to people who would doubt the, the Immaculate Conception and, and just kind of minimalize it? Sure. Great question. Okay. Um, the, the dogmatic statement is the following. When I give talks on Mariology, I say there has to be two, the two Ds. There has to be the devotion. There has to be the dogma. The devotion is directed more at our hearts, our sentiments, whereas the dogma is directing more at our intellect. But we, there has to be a harmonious blend. I try to compare it to a, to a, to a salad, to a, a olive garden salad. Okay, you have the salad, but you have to have the condiments. Condiments would be the devotion, and the salad would be the dogma. There are four Marian dogmas, the Immaculate Conception, the Perpetual Virginity, the Divine Maternity, and then you have the Assumption marrying to Heaven. The dogma of the Immaculate Conception was proclaimed by Pope Pius IX in 1854. And not that the church didn't already believe it. As you said, there was a strong Franciscan tradition, especially Don Scotus, who was one of the, the key members, and which really tried to, to, to promote this uh, knowledge and love, but was not proclaimed dogmatically until the 19th century. And what the, what the Pope basically said was this, is that to, to understand the Immaculate Conception, you have to understand original sin. So if you don't understand original sin, you, you can't really understand the Immaculate Conception. So original sin is this, the sin that Adam and Eve committed, which you read in Genesis chapter 3, the sin of disobedience, eating from the forbidden fruit. As a result of that, all of us come into the world with original sin, all of us. Uh, so that's part of that's part of the human condition. We all come into the world with, with original sin. Now, in the case of Mary, God intervened, and it was a miracle. But God can work miracles, as you're pointing out. So right there in the in the moment which Mary was being conceived, God intervened through the Holy Spirit, thereby preserving Mary from the stain of original sin. You know, one of my, uh, I was an English major before becoming a priest, and um, one of the English poets, William Wordsworth, a very well-known English poet, who's a Protestant, he said this of Mary, Mary is our tainted nature's solitary boast. I love that. Huh? And this is a, this is a Protestant. Mary is our, our tainted nature's solitary boast, meaning that our human condition, we're tainted with original sin, but Mary is our solitary boast. Now, Thomas Aquinas makes this comment. 
if Mary did not have the Immaculate Conception, uh, think about a little bit of Christology now. Jesus has two natures, which are the divine nature and the human nature in one person. He's the second person of the Trinity. So if, if Mary did not have this privilege of the Immaculate Conception, Jesus coming into the world, his humanity would have been tainted with original sin. See what I'm saying? This is Aquinas. And Aquinas says this is an abomination to think that Jesus, his, his divine nature is perfect, but his human nature is tainted with sin. So Aquinas uses the word uh, conven convenient, that would be the, the Latin. Like fittingness. But he's saying if, if that were not done, it's just, it's just almost unspeakable of Jesus coming into the world, half a sinner and half holy. So um, th that's when it was proclaimed. Mm -hmm. And it's, I'm glad you asked me to talk today because Tamara is in Macca Conception. And she's the patroness of the United States, as well as the Philippines. She's our patron. A Lady Guadalupe is the patron of the Americas, but our patroness is the Macca Conception. And probably you know that the most beautiful church in, in our country is the, the Basilica of the Macca Conception there in the capital, which if you've never visited, I mean, I, it's a beautiful, beautiful church. Amen. So, in a nutshell, that would be the theological explanation of it. And I, 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 I love the Immaculate Conception. I love to talk about. It. I'm glad. I'm glad you were able to invite me to. Amen, Father. Time. You know, I was just thinking. Uh, we we're talking about Saint Thomas, and one of the sons of Saint Thomas, the sons of Saint Dominic, uh, Gary Lagrange, one of the most famous Dominican theologians of our era. He says, uh, and he has this beautiful, beautiful commentary on the Immaculate Conception. And I just want to get your comments on this uh, brief uh, uh, section on his commentary here. He says, at a time when all truth were being deprecated, when many refused to believe either in original sin or in the necessity of baptismal regeneration, it was fitting that the church should solemnly define this dogma and that Mary should remind us of all these truths by telling us at Lord's, I am the Immaculate Conception. This privilege, far from detracting from the dogma of the universal redemption of souls of Jesus Christ, discloses to us in the person of Mary sovereign redemption in its most perfect form conceivable. Uh, could you give your commentary on that idea, especially that on the timeliness of this dogma and in relation to Our Lady at uh, appearing at Lourdes? Yes, that's a, that's a great connection. And I... I... I've taught, I've preached in that in, in the past. I'm glad you brought that up. Praise be to Jesus Christ. You won't want to go anywhere because the rest of this interview with Father Ed Broom will be right after this short break. Don't go anywhere. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. Have you ever heard someone say, the Catholic Church is too condemning. It needs to practice more tolerance. G.K. Chesterton says, the other word for tolerance is indifference, and the other word for indifference is apathy. The Catholic Church cannot afford to be apathetic. It cannot afford to be tolerant of evil. It has to be consistent in opposing what is wrong and defending what is right. And the Church especially cannot afford to tolerate social evils that are condoned by the state. Why? because sooner or later, it'll be turned against the church. History has shown this to be true more than once. 
Chesterton says there have been times in history when the church has been wedded to the world, but it has always been widowed by the world. Want more than a minute? Chesterton.org. Gloryandshine.com, a generous underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. Gloryandshine.com is a Catholic family-owned company making a variety of personal care products ranging from lotions, soap bars, gift boxes, body mist, beard care, and more. At Gloryandshine.com, they state their mission is to, quote, craft every product with deep intention while holding a vision of sharing the gospel. They are good for the body, mind, and soul, unquote. God love you, Gloryandshine.com. Thank you again. It was fitting that the church should solemnly define this dogma and that Mary should remind us of all these truths by telling us at Lord's, I am the Immaculate Conception. This privilege, far from detracting from the dogma of the universal redemption of souls of Jesus Christ, discloses to us in the person of Mary sovereign redemption in its most perfect form conceivable. Uh, Could you give your commentary on that idea, especially that on the timeliness of this dogma and in relation to Our Lady at uh, appearing at Lourdes. Yes, that's a, that's a great connection. And I, I've, I've taught, I preached in that in, in the past. I'm glad you brought that up. Is, uh, it's true because 1854 is the proclamation of the dogma of the Immaculate Conception. When, when, when is Lourdes? Lourdes is 18... Is 1858. So 1854, 1850, 1858. Just four years after the dogmatic proclamation, she appears to Saint Bernadette. And Saint Bernadette, Saint Bernadette, I love this little saint, mm-hmm. but she didn't have any theological formation. If you saw the the, the song of Bernadette, the movie she's in the classroom there and they take the holy card away from her because she couldn't learn her catechism so when 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 they ask they ask saint bernadette who she is and there were actually eight 18 apparitions mm-hmm. and 18 apparitions mary mary folds her hands and looks up to heaven and she says je suis la macole conception mary spoke in french she said I am the Immaculate Conception. I am the Immaculate Conception. So once Bernadette told the priests that it's the Immaculate Conception, they believed her all the more because she didn't have any theological preparation. And this is a theological word that a little 13, 14-year-old girl could never have learned unless God revealed that to her. So I really, I, I love what you say about that because these approved Marian uh, apparitions, they don't contradict doctrine, but they back, they just support it. So that supports what uh, Pope Pius IX had proclaimed just four years earlier. So I'm, I'm glad you made that wonderful connection, great connection, yeah. Father Ed Broom is our guest. He is with the Oblates of the Virgin Mary, praise be to God. And we're talking about the feast day of the Immaculate Conception, which, if you're listening to this, is it's today. Praise be to God, and uh, and we're so grateful to have you on, Father Broom. Um, let's talk about the more practical aspects of this, and uh, devotions, and uh, things that people can do to increase piety 
or filial uh, uh, love and appreciation for Our Lady and her role in salvation history. It's coming from someone who was a Protestant growing up. She was one of my biggest challenges coming into the church. Uh, I, I had to overcome the Eucharist first, and then and only then could I begin to understand or wrap my head around Our Lady and her role in salvation history. What do you say to people who are just coming to uh, awareness of her and her special role, and how do they increase that devotion? Good, good question. Probably the easiest way to understand it, and I think theologians as well as little children can understand it, is I I alluded to it earlier. If, um, If you're invited to a family banquet and sitting around the table are your brothers, your sisters, your father and your mother. And you're having, you're having a lively conversation with all, but you're snubbing or you're just ignoring the, the mother's presence. That, that's really going to hurt the rest of the family. So the fact that Jesus, I mean, Jesus could have descended from heaven to earth, kind of like, the raindrops, I mean, he could have done that, but he purposely decided to come into the world through the human channel, which is his immaculate mother. So the fact that Jesus has an infinite love for his mother, so we're called to the imitation of Christ, that book by Kempis, right? We're called the imitation of Christ. So if we want to imitate Christ, then also we want to love his mother. And none of us will ever be able to love Mary more than her son, Jesus Christ. But we have to keep trying to do that. So in a, in a simple way, everyone understands that because whoever doesn't love his mother, there's, there's something wrong with that person. We all, we all have this great love for our mother. And if it weren't for a mother, we wouldn't be here. No? So Jesus chose that channel. So on a human level, I would say that all of us can understand it. Then um, I always try to I always try to promote good reading. Uh, I would suggest the greatest Marian classic probably was the book written by St. Alphonsus Liguri. You probably heard of him. He wrote The, the Glories of Mary. Yeah. That is, uh, I would say, probably the greatest Marian classic in all the writings of St. Alphonsus. And he wrote many, many, many books. That was his greatest work. He wrote it, he did a revision, he did it again. And if, you, if you've ever read that, you start to really just feel the presence of the Holy Spirit emanating from that book, The Glories of Mary by St. Alphonsus. So, you know, the motherly image of sitting at the table and good reading on Mary, I think, are good ways to kind of to, to ignite the flame of love for Mary. We're uh, getting close to our time here with Father Ed Broom. Uh, what is your favorite, besides, uh, obviously, it's a Holy Day of Obligation, so we need to go to Holy Mass. Um, what is your favorite way to to keep the feast day in particular? Good question. Um, I, I would say this. Mary, when she desires these basilicas to be, to be built, one of the reasons why is to make to make a good confession. I think Mary is very pleased if you've ever gone to Lourdes or Guadalupe or Fatima, you see, you've got these confessionals and you have long lines of people waiting to go to confession. And that's Mary wants us to be reconciled with Christ through confession and then uh, to receive communion in her honor. Mm. I think 
that very pleasing. I mean, you receive Jesus, but receive Jesus through the Immaculate Heart of Mary. Mother Teresa said that's the greatest way to receive Christ through the Immaculate Heart of Mary. So I would say that both confession and going to Mass, but also participating in Mass fully, actively, and consciously, as Vatican II points out, and receiving Christ through the Heart of Mary. I think that that would make her very happy. Yeah. Wow. Well, praise be to God. I hope and pray that uh, we were able to keep this Holy Feast Day in her honor and uh, make reconciliation with with God through the Holy Sacrament of, uh, of Confession. You know, one of the things that I was just thinking about was how long the line is at confession at our parish, and which always frustrates me and gives me one more thing to confess, my lack of patience, Father. Uh, maybe you could speak to how Our Lady helps us to overcome our weakness and our faults. Well, I think um, it has to be said this. If, if there's going to be a, a major spiritual triumph almost always the devil is present there. Mm. And we have to recognize that uh, some of you have probably done the spiritual exercise. It's called the two standards. You've got the standards of Christ, and then you've got the standard of the devil. So uh, you shouldn't be surprised. Uh, probably even before you do these programs, something happens that is going to try to put some bulwark or Yes. Some obstacle in your path. Yeah. And that, actually, that's a good sign. Mm. Saint, Saint Ignatius says, if there's no cross involved in it, it doesn't come from God. There has to be some type of cross involved in our apostolic work because you know, we want to save souls, we got to pay for it. And it's usually paid through suffering and the cross. Amen. So Amen. I, I would say if you j just uh, turn to Mary in these trials and, and pray the Hail Mary slowly or, or pray the Hail Holy Queen and Mary will be able to kick that devil back into hell where he belongs. Praise you know? be to God. I love it. <laughs> All right, Father Ed Broom, our, uh, one of the Oblates of the Virgin Mary and pastor, associate pastor of St. Peter Chanel Church in Hawaiian Gardens, California. Check out his books online like his Roadmap to Heaven, which is published by Tan Books. God love you, Father, and uh, thank you for your generosity and being on with us today. Thank you. God bless you all. All Thank right. You. And where, by Thank the way, real quick, where can people find you? Like, do you have a website that all your books are located on? Yeah, www.fatherbroom.com. Uh, Father Broom, is it F-R or F-A-T-H-E-R? F-A-T-H-E-R. Fatherbroom.com. God love you, Father. Thank you again. Thank you so much. God bless. Praise be to Jesus Christ, and God bless you for listening to this great interview with Father Ed Broom. You can check out that interview and other information about the, the show today from on grnonline.com forward slash cdt. That's grnonline.com forward slash cdt. Or check up our YouTube page where if you want to watch the video version of this interview, you can see it there on our Catholic Drive Time YouTube channel. Alrighty, so we're going to go off to a break, and we'll be right back after the end of this hour. Uh, thank you for listening on Station of the Cross and Guadalupe Radio Network. We'll be right back in the same time, same place with the live programming. And if you want to hear more about the Immaculate Conception, if this wasn't enough, you need more Immaculate Conception. Well, God bless you. There's always, there's never enough of the Immaculate Conception. You can check out my podcast, uh, Catholic Conversations, on YouTube or anywhere you listen to podcasts. I did a amazing interview with Father Elias Mary with the Franciscans of the Immaculate, and we talked all things of the Immaculate Conception for over uh, for about an hour. So you're not going to want to miss that. 
that interview. You can find that at Catholic Conversations on YouTube or on your podcasting app anywhere you listen to podcasts. All right, we're going to go to a break uh, with the top of the hour. We're going to say goodbye to if you're listening on Station of the Cross. But for those who are sticking around, you can check us out and we'll be right back. And we're going to be having an interview with Father, with not Father, sorry, with Kendra Tierney on liturgical living. How can we live out Advent during this season when everyone's celebrating Christmas? So how do we do that? Well, you're not going to want to miss the interview with Kendra Tierney in the next hour if you can join us. And uh, But other than that, God bless you. God love you. We'll see you back here same time, same place, live, because this was a pre-recorded show, but live tomorrow at the same time, same place, 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern, on the Guadalupe Radio Network and Station of the Cross. All righty. God bless you. God love you. And we will not have a game show tomorrow today, but we will tomorrow. So make sure you tune in to that if you want to be in the drawing for a great prize at the end of the week. And God bless you. And we will see you again bright and early and bushy-tailed tomorrow morning. And pray for us if you're going to Holy Mass. Pray to the Immaculate Conception. Immaculate Conception, pray for us who have recourse to Thee and all those who do not have recourse to Thee. Amen. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. A friend of mine said that his church takes the Bible literally, but that the Catholic Church doesn't. Is that true? Catholics actually interpret the Bible in a literal sense, while many fundamentalists, evangelicals, and others interpret the Bible in a literalist sense. The literal meaning of a passage of Scripture is the meaning the author of that passage of Scripture intended to convey. The literalist interpretation of a passage of Scripture is, that's what it says, that's what it means. Here's an example to illustrate the difference. If you were to read a passage in a book that said it was raining cats and dogs outside, how would you interpret that? As Americans in the 21st century, we know that the author was intending to convey the idea that it was raining pretty doggone hard outside. That would be the literal or Catholic interpretation. The literalist interpretation would be that were you to walk outside, you would actually see cats and dogs falling from the sky like rain. No taking into account the popularly accepted meaning of this phrase. No taking into account what the author was intending to convey. The words say it was raining cats and dogs, so by golly, it was raining cats and dogs. That is the literalist or fundamentalist way of interpretation. Now, if someone 2,000 years in the future picked up that same book and read it was raining cats and dogs outside, in order to properly understand that passage in the book, they would need a literal interpretation, not a literalist interpretation. Now, think about that in the context of interpreting the Bible 2,000 to 3,000 years after it was written. We need a literal or Catholic interpretation versus literalist or fundamentalist interpretation. A beacon of truth in a troubled world. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul.
Howdy, this is Adrian Fonseca, producer of the Catholic Drive Time Show. Heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central and 7 a.m. Eastern, right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. And I'm proud to tell you that Real Estate for Life is an underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. Real Estate for Life connects home buyers and sellers to real estate agents while supporting pro-life organizations, offering their clients a faith-based experience. They are online at realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org. God love you. Welcome to your Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information from the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic Drive Time. Now, here's your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. I have good news and bad news for you. This is Adrian Fonseca, your producer. This is not Joe McClain. Uh, We are on a holiday today for the Feast of the Immaculate Conception. And today we're going to, I don't want to waste any of your time. We're going to have a good news segment of the day. We're going to have a gospel of the day, a saint of the day, a brief reflection from Joe McClain. And we're going to have a great interview with Kendra Kendra Tierney from Liturgical Living. And we're going to talk all things Advent. How on earth can we celebrate Advent when everyone around us is celebrating Christmas? I don't want to waste any of your time. So we're going to just, I'm not going to go on talking for minutes and minutes. No, I'm going to jump right into prayer. We're going to do Pray the Magnificat and then jump right into the interview with Kendra Tierney on Advent. And if you, and we're not going to be able to play the whole interview. So you're going to have to check out our YouTube channel or go to our website at grnonline.com forward slash CDT. This is the pre recorded interview. So no game show today. We'll be back tomorrow with our regularly scheduled interviews and game show tomorrow morning at the same time, same place. Check out our website, www.grnonline.com forward slash CDT, or check up our YouTube channel to see the whole interview with Kendra Tierney on celebrating Advent. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession, was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O mother of the word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy, hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. And now your good news with Rudy Carlos. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm Rudy Carlos, and now your good news story. Epic Times reports Domino's Pizza founder Tom Monaghan's American success story. When Tom Monaghan was four years old, his dad passed away. His mother couldn't handle raising two little boys by herself, so she dropped them off at the orphanage and set out to try to rebuild her life. Tom and his brother spent their formative years with the Polish nuns at the orphanage. It was there Tom learned about the faith that would one day become the driving force in his life. Tom speaks fondly of the nuns at the orphanage and about developing a work ethic while working on what were called the foster farms which were working farms staffed by children in the foster care system. Not long after graduating high school, he joined the Marines. Tom was ambitious. After his honorable discharge from the Marines, he knew that he wanted to be in business. His brother Jim had heard about a guy who was wanting to sell his pizza restaurant, so Tom and Jim put down $500 and got a loan for $900 and bought Dominic's Pizza. Less than a year after buying the business, Jim gave his ownership to Tom in exchange for the VW Beetle they were making deliveries with. Tom renamed the business to Domino's Pizza Incorporated, and when he couldn't pay to rent a room, he slept under the pizza table. Tom says that he demanded a lot of himself and his employees, but no one resented it. 
They all had a camaraderie that led to Tom being the best man at the weddings of the people he worked alongside. And theirs wasn't the only wedding in those early days. Tom met his wife Marjorie while making a pizza delivery. That's the providence of God right there. He simplified the process of making quality pizza, perfected it, and then taught others how to do it. It's been rumored that his fastest time at making a pizza was clocked at 11 seconds. He also pioneered the creation of the corrugated box, which kept pizzas hotter throughout delivery. Within seven years of purchasing his first pizzeria, Tom opened the first franchise. The seeds of faith that were planted by the nuns at the orphanage continued to grow throughout Tom's life. Therefore, it's no surprise that retirement for Tom Monaghan didn't mean a life of leisure. This Marine embarked on, a, on the second half of his life that became even more significant than the first. When asked what he wanted to do with the rest of his life, Tom said, Life is short, death is certain, and eternity is forever. I want to go to heaven, and the most important thing I can do with God's money is to help others get to heaven too. He continued, I came into the world penniless. As a Catholic Christian, I know that I cannot take any of it with me. So as long, so it has long been my desire to use the material resources that I have been blessed with to help others in the most meaningful ways possible. He went on to say, I would not be living out my faith if, it not, if I didn't use the abundant resources God has given me to help others. And he's made great strides towards that goal. Tom sold his ownership of Domino's Pizza, his collection of cars, houses, aircraft, and his beloved baseball team, and he returned his attention to establishing organizations that would advance his mission of helping people go to heaven. His, mo his post-retirement projects are big and far-reaching. Among them are the Ave Maria Foundation, which focuses on Catholic education, media, community projects, and charities. One of the projects he founded was the publication of the Worldwide Catechism of the Catholic Church. Tom also founded the Ave Maria School of Law and built the surrounding town of Ave Maria, Florida. What an amazing story to use all of the resources and talent that God has given you to build his kingdom. Uh, please pray for him and his family. That's incredible. And that was your good news story for today. God love you. The saint of the day is St. Patipus who was born in 380 in the Egyptian city of Thebes. His father was a governor of the region and a, descent and, and a descendant of a well-known Egyptian family. He and his wife were devout Christians and instructed Patipus and in scripture. Patipus reached a mature age and well-known tutors were brought from Alexandria to instruct him in science, mathematics, philosophy, and rhetoric. Through this education, he became acutely aware of how transient this world is and, how, and was attracted to the ascetical way of life. He was particularly inspired by Clement, Origen, and Athanasius. His father also took him to the renowned catechetical school of Alexandria, where Patipus came under the influence of a blind teacher named Didymus. Didymus inspired him even further to desire the ascetical path he had chosen. When he finished his studies, he returned to Thebes to find out that his father had passed away. Desiring to live a life like an ascetic, he decided to leave for the Egyptian desert where he became well known for his ascetic deeds. No longer able to find peace in the desert, he set off for Constantinople in 428. During his voyage, voyage he met his disciples Shanuti, who was an Egyptian rower. During this voyage, their ship passed near Corinth, where they stayed for seven years. By 435, after seven years in Corinth, Patipus left his skeet in the, in the Granian Mountains to resume his journey to Constantinople. In Constantinople, they secretly went to the monastery of Blancherne, where he obtained a cell in the city wall. 
Patipus kept his identity a secret and resumed a life of strict fasting, vigil, and prayer under the guise of a simple monk. When he Here he performed many miracles of healing. After a life adored with virtue and miracles, he died at a great age of 83. In 463, and was buried by his disciple in the church of St. John the Baptist in Constantinople of Petras, of stone, which was under the protection of the royal family of Constantinople, Paleologia, Paleologi, and especially of St. Hippomani, who was the mother of the last emperor of Byzantium, Constantinople, Constantine Paleologos. Wow, these Greek names I have utterly butchered, uh, but and I apologize for that. The relic of the saints in the 20th century, a local priest discovered the relics of the saint hidden in the wall. He was unnaturally tall priest who regularly served this small chapel, and because of his height, commissioned some changes to the chapel. At night, before the works of the Western Wall were to commence, Father Constantine had a dream in which a monk warned him, Take care when you break the wall, because I am on the other side. I am St. Patipus of Egypt. He was found the next day holding a large wooden cross on his chest, a parchment of scroll with his identity, and large leaves covering his relics as fresh as they had been picked that very moment. Since his relics have been discovered, many people have visited by the saints in visions and dreams, asking them to visit his, Laos, his house in Lautraki. He is especially known for healing cancer, and miracles occur worldwide throughout the world, including Australia and America. Saint Patipus, pray for us. Praise be to God in all things. The gospel today comes to us from Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 38. The angel Gabriel was sent from God to a town of Galilee called Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man named Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And coming to her, he said, Hail, full of grace, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at what was said and pondered what sort of greeting this might be. Then the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of David his father, and he will rule over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. But Mary said to the angel, How can this be? since I have no relations with a man. And the angel said to her in reply, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age. And this is the sixth month for her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible for God. Mary said, Behold, I am the handmaid of the Lord. May it be done to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. The gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. St. Ambrose would say, Mark the virgin by her manner of life, alone in an inner chamber, 
unseen by the eyes of men, discovered only by an angel, as it said, as it is said, and the angel came unto her, that she might not be dishonored by any ignoble address. She is saluted by an angel. Close quote, St. Ambrose, pray for us. There are so, we could spend literally hours, many people have, of course, diving into this passage. This is such a rich and ripe full of Old Testament typology coming to its perfection in its peak here in Luke's gospel. I mean, the, the parallels between Daniel and Luke are just utterly amazing. Father Raymond Brown, in his gospel commentary, makes this really a playground for biblical scholars to go and to think about how the, the uh, 70 weeks prophecy comes to its fulfillment through these two annunciation narratives, John the Baptist, now Jesus, and into the presentation of the temple, it is just mind-blowing. Even the math works out. It's so incredible when you read Father Brown and his uh, gospel commentary on this particular passage. I mean, but when you look at, say, the Holy Ghost overshadowing her, just like it did in the, in the uh, tabernacle in the wilderness or in the, in the temple uh, that Solomon built, and God's presence dwelling there, and you think about the ramifications of what that means for Our Lady. But here is a little bit of the Ignatius Catholic Study Bible from today. The call to rejoice echoes Old Testament, Testament passages that address daughter Zion. In the prophets, this refers to Mother Jerusalem, whose faithful children will rejoice in the Messianic age because God has chosen to dwell in their midst. Mary, chosen to be the virgin mother of the Messiah, is greeted with the same summons because she is the embodiment of faithful Israel and the most privileged recipient of Yahweh's Messianic blessings full of grace. Kekare tomene. She is the full of grace. She always was and she always will be the full of grace. She is full of God's grace. What an amazing thing to ponder today. Praise be to God. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. More Catholic Drive Time is headed your way. Howdy. This is Adrian Fonseca, producer of the Catholic Drive Time show. Heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central and 7 a.m. Eastern right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. And I'm proud to tell you that Real Estate for Life is an underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. Real Estate for Life connects home buyers and sellers to real estate agents while supporting pro-life organizations, offering their clients a faith-based experience. They are online at realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org. God love you. Gloryandshine.com, a generous underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. Gloryandshine.com is a Catholic family-owned company making a variety of personal care products ranging from lotions, soap bars, gift boxes, body mist, beard care, and more. At Gloryandshine.com, they state their mission is to, quote, craft every product with deep intention while holding a vision of sharing the gospel. They are good for the body, mind, and soul, unquote. God love you, Gloryandshine.com. Thank you again. The next National Men's March to End Abortion is Monday, November 15th in Baltimore. We will gather outside of a local abortion center and march to our rally point outside of the USCCB Fall Assembly. Men, it's time. Surely, if you're thinking about the reality, the horror, and the enormity of abortion, you have to be moved to do something. Go to themensmarch.com for more information and commit to join us on November 15th in Baltimore. Christ in all things. 
Friends, joining us right now by Zoom chat is Kendra Tierney from CatholicAllYear.com. It's been a while since we've had her on, and we're very excited to have her back, especially in the holy penitential season of Advent. Good morning to you, Kendra Tierney. Good morning. It's uh, great to be back. Uh, let's talk about the season of Advent. Uh, we we wanted to have a conversation around Catholic family traditions specific to the Advent season. I feel like there is a need to make Advent great again. I mean, in in... in in the bathroom out in front of my office, there's Christmas music blaring. So uh, what does it mean to enjoy the season of Advent and anticipate the season of Christmas? Yeah, I think it's it's interesting. It's just a phenomenon of the past you know, few decades that, that this has been uh, changed up on its head so much in, in, in secular culture of that, you know, Christmas starts right at Thanksgiving or maybe Halloween. Uh, and, uh, you know, so Christmas music is playing and, uh, and, and everybody has their Christmas decorations up. And then, you know, the bigger problem is that it all stops Christmas day. There's two all Christmas music radio stations where I live in Los Angeles and they stop playing Christmas music on Christmas day. Um, but, but yeah, so traditionally Advent was, and it, you know, of course, it still is an, a really important liturgical season in its own right. And uh, and as Catholics, we know better than um, you know than than the what the those radio stations are doing. And we know that 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 it's important for our for our faith and our families to recognize Advent in some way and then to observe it differently. And that's not going to look the same in every person's house, but but it should look Advent should look different than Christmas does for for your home and your family. So how do we live out Advent traditions in the family as like the Von Tropps did, for instance? Yeah, there are some really beautiful uh, Advent-specific traditions that Catholics have celebrated for a long time. Um, one that, uh, that you know, we're, we're familiar with the Advent wreath, and that actually started as a liturgical living in the home tradition, which makes it kind of special to me, and was later adopted, um, you know, with, with there were later blessing, a blessing was developed for it to be used in churches as well. So, you know, the Advent wreath is, is such a simple way to bring that, um, you know, that, that waiting and prayerfulness, and, you know, you can watch as, one candle and then two candles and then three. I mean, it's just, it's simple and beautiful. And, you know, it's easy to just have in the middle of the dining room table. Uh, so the Advent wreath is a beautiful one. One that's really simple and requires no prep work at all is um, what's sometimes called the St. Andrew Novena, but would, but I prefer to call it the Christmas anticipation prayer, which is, <laughs> is more accurate other name. Uh, but it's this cute, beautiful little short prayer that, that has a lot of depth and sort of heft to it. Uh, and uh, it's traditionally recited 15 times per day uh, from the Feast of St. Andrew until Christmas Eve, but you can start at any time. There's no official rules. Uh, so that's another great one. You know, the Jesse tree is a beautiful way to learn about the Old Testament uh, symbols and characters and the way that the Old Testament draws us towards Christ and the incarnation and, and how all of these, you know, prophets and, uh, and, and uh, of the Old Testament really, you know, shine that light on, on, on Jesus Christ and his incarnation. But probably my favorite one, uh, my favorite Catholic liturgical living tradition for, for Advent is, is the Christmas Novena. And you're not even late for starting that. Um, 
uh, for, you know, people who are just looking for something to start out, you know, it's, it's, it begins nine days before Christmas, which would be what the 16th. Um, and, uh, and as with any novena, you can do any prayer for nine days. So it could be, you know, a, a, a Magnificat or a rosary. But um, the one that we use that, that it, that's in my book, the uh, Catholic All Year Prayer Companion was composed by an Italian priest in 1720. I just love the idea that people for you know, hundreds of years have been praying this exact same novena that I sit down, that, that our family sits down and prays. Um, it's just such a great way, especially those last nine days before Christmas can feel so frantic um, and, and so busy. And, and the, that, those last nine days before Christmas to come together quietly and prayerfully, even though there's a lot, there's still a lot going on in our house, of course, but, but we have that time that is set apart um, really for prayer and, um, and, and coming together as a family. It's a really great thing to, to make a priority. Speaking of family, you have a, a large, a lovely family yourself. I was wondering what kind of practical tips would you recommend to implement these sorts of uh, prayers in your daily, uh, daily prayer regimen, excuse me, um, leading up to Christmas? Yeah, uh, um, I, I do. I've, I've got 10 kids ranging in age from two to 19. And it's, it's kind of surprising to me, but the, the Christmas novena, if you ask my kids, it's the thing that they like the most of all of our liturgical living traditions in the home, some of which involve, you know, waffles for dinner and devil-shaped pinatas. The, the Christmas novena, they say, is their favorite, and it's, it's very old-fashioned feeling, um, but it's, it's that, it, it just, they have such great um, associations with it. Um, and there are, you know, there's also food involved. We, we tend to have a little treat every night when we do our novena. Um, so, so there is that. But, um, but I think that, you know, one of, the, one of the important things that I have learned about liturgical living in the home with kids is, is to just give them a little more credit than, than maybe we are um, apt to do. They, they can handle a lot more than society thinks they can, they can handle more than we think they can sometimes as far as, um, as devotion. Now, does that mean that my kids are all, you know, sit quietly and don't, don't elbow each other on the couch? And that, that is not true. That definitely happens. But, uh, but we still have great memories. And, and, and the, uh, the beautiful thing is that you know, little kids don't understand exactly what the readings mean and they, um, but they get to the point, even little kids where they have little bits of it memorized and they can say it. Um, and, and basing uh, the sort of family faith practice around the liturgical calendar means that it comes around again year after year. And we're really able to experience it in a different way. And, and the kids as they grow can, you know, can, can understand it in a deeper way. Kendra Tierney is our guest. Her website, by the way, is catholicallyear.com. That's catholicallyear.com. Um, you know, it's funny because as you were talking about uh, your your family praying the rosary and some of the shenanigans that go on, I mean, we experience that every night praying our rosary. And sometimes I, I say to myself, to, or let's say to the kids, do you guys not know how to do this? We've only been doing this for many years. Like, you should know by now. Like, what practical tips would you give to parents just trying to start with family prayer every night, possibly? Yeah, um, for the rosary specifically, 
I really like praying it in the car. I think that's a great way to start um, because you're sort of, you know, you've got them, you've got a captive audience. So our, while I prefer, you know, the dishes all done and sitting around the fire, sitting on the couches, everyone, you know, teeth brushed and jammies on and say a beautiful family rosary, that's the ideal. That happens occasionally, but we always say a family rosary when we're, you know, anytime we're in the car together. And so that's the one that actually happens. It's not my ideal, but it's, uh, you know, it's been the most practical one for us. I love that. Um, and then just to associate family prayer time with things that you're going to be doing anyway. So, you know, that we, um, uh, some of my, uh, some of my kids are homeschooled. So we have uh, family prayers that we say at the beginning of our homeschool day. So that happens all the time. So it's not like I have to gather us together for our separate family prayers. You know, we're coming together to start our homeschool day. So we do prayers then. At lunchtime, we say the Angelus. And that's a great one to set an alarm on your phone for because it's supposed to happen at noon. And uh, I don't know about you, but I respond to that sound that my phone makes. And so, <laughs> you know, it makes sure it, it makes sure that happens. Um, and then most of our sort of family liturgical living in the home is is based around our family dinner. And that's really something that we make a big priority in our home. And uh, it, it's, it has borne so much fruit for us. But we, you know, my husband makes sacrifices to be able to be home for family dinner. We try to not overschedule uh, ourselves in a way that, that would um, interfere with, with family dinner. You know, I've got teenagers who... Um, who are, you know, I've got high schoolers and, and so they definitely have sports and events, but, but we try to keep things that would, uh, that would interfere with family dinner to a medium, uh, to a minimum. So because we're all together, then that's when we do a lot of our liturgical living in the home. We talk about saints days. We talk about feast days. We have special food and prayers that, that are associated with different feast days. And that's when we do things like the Christmas anticipation prayer and our lighting our uh, advent wreath. We usually uh, do the Jesse tree then too. And we'll just, you know, uh, somebody will, will pass the book around and, and different people will pause eating and, and do the readings. So for us, it's just been a, you know, figuring out how can we make this happen, even if it's not what my imagination ideal would be, you know, when is my family going to be together and let's, you know, let's add prayer and these and these um, traditional practices to that time just to make sure that they happen. Well, here's a thing that I see debated among Catholics constantly is 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 Advent a penitential season or is it a uh, or is it a time of celebration or is it a time of anticipation or a blend of all three? Uh, so how do we practically start doing these things? Because we're coming up on uh, whenever this this, this uh, interview airs, it's going to be the Feast of the Immaculate Conception. Uh, we're coming up on the Feast of Our Lady of Guadalupe. And there's so many different exciting things. We just passed the Feast of St. Nicholas. How about how about all these things that happen during the Advent season? How do we uh, acknowledge these and celebrate them? Uh, in my mind, it's definitely that season of anticipation. And we don't ex we don't really practice it in our home as as a penitential season in the same way that we do during Lent. 
Um, but, but we focus on the waiting and the preparation. And, and so, you know, it is the actual waiting for birth. And, you know, for those of us who have kids, we know that, you know, that, 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 that waiting has to happen. It's an important part of the process and it can't be rushed no matter how tired one is, one becomes of the waiting. Um, but there are still things like, baby showers and, you know, and all sorts of other, of other things that are joyful that happen during a season of waiting, but no one confuses that with the actual event having happened, you know? So I think that, that for us, it's just finding a way that Advent looks different than Christmas. And so for us, we, we use it as that season of preparation. So we don't throw all of our Christmas decorations up um, you know, in one, in that one weekend after Thanksgiving, we do it slowly. We add things over time. We add pieces to our nativity set each weekend. We, um, you know, we, we slowly add the decorations so that by the time Christmas comes, the house is decorated, but it isn't completely decorated for Christmas all in one day, you know, right at the beginning of Advent. So things like that, that, that help make it feel like like we're still waiting, like we're anticipating, I, I think make a big difference for the way that, that my kids experience the, the season. We're gonna have to stop the interview right there and you're not gonna wanna miss the rest of this great interview. I'm sorry we have to end it there. You're gonna have to go to our YouTube channel, uh, Catholic Drive Time, or go to our website, grnonline.com forward slash CDT to see the rest of that interview with Kendra Tierney on liturgical living, especially in Advent. We'll be back tomorrow, same time, same place. We'll see you tomorrow. God love you, God bless you, and we can't wait to see you tomorrow. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time. The Guadalupe Radio Network now brings you the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass from the chapel at Our Lady of Corpus Christi in Corpus Christi, Texas. Welcome to the Holy Mass at Our Lady of Corpus Christi Chapel. Today we celebrate the Solemnity of the Immaculate Conception. The intention for today's Mass is for all of our online viewers and for those joining us to Guadalupe Radio. Immaculate Mary Thy praises we sing, who reignest in splendor with Jesus our King. Ave, Ave, Ave Maria, Ave, Ave Maria. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And with your spirit. Let us acknowledge our sins and so prepare ourselves to celebrate the sacred mysteries. I confess to Almighty God and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words, in what I have done, and what, what I have, have failed, failed to do, do through my fault, 
through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore I ask the Blessed Mary, ever Virgin, all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. Kyrie eleison, Kyrie eleison, Christ eleison, Kyrie eleison, Gloria in excelsis Deo, et in terra pax hominibus, bonae voluntatis, Laudamus te, benedicimus te, adoramus te, glorificamus te, gratias agimus tibi, propter manum gloriam tuam, domine Deus rex celestis, Deus pater omnipotens, Domine fili unigenite, Iesu Christe, Domine Deus anius Dei, fili us patris, qui tolis peccata mundi. Miserere nobis, qui tolis peccata mundi, suscipe deprectationem nostram, qui sedes ad exteram patris, miserere nobis, quoniam tu solus sanctus, Tu solus dominus, tu solus altissimus, Iesu Christe, cum sancto spiritu, in gloria Dei Patris. Amen. Let us pray. O God, who by the Immaculate Conception of the Blessed Virgin prepared a worthy dwelling for your Son, grant, we pray, that as you preserved her from every stain by virtue of the death of your Son, which you foresaw, so through her intercession we too may be cleansed and admitted to your presence. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever. Amen. <clears throat> A reading from the book of Genesis. After the man, Adam, had eaten of the tree, the Lord God called to the man and asked him, where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden, but I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid myself. Then he asked, 
Who told you that you were naked? You have eaten then from the tree of which I had forbidden you to eat. The man replied, The woman whom you put here with me, she gave me the fruit from the tree, and so I ate it. The Lord God then asked the woman, Why did you do such a thing? The woman answered, The serpent tricked me into it, so I ate it. Then the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, you shall be banned from all the animals and from all the wild creatures. On your belly shall you crawl, and dirt shall you eat all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and hers. He will strike at your head while you strike at his heel. The man called his wife Eve, because she became the mother of all the living. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous deeds. Sing, Sing to, to the Lord, Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous deeds. Sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done wondrous deeds. His right hand has won victory for him, his holy arm. Sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous deeds. The Lord has made his salvation known. In the sight of the nations, he has revealed his justice. He has remembered his kindness and his faithfulness toward the house of Israel. Sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous deeds. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation by our God. Sing joyfully to the Lord, all you lands. Break into song, sing praise. Sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous deeds. A reading from the letter of St. Paul to the Ephesians. Brothers and sisters, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavens, as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world to be holy and without blemish before him. In love he destined us for adoption to himself through Jesus Christ, in accord with the favor of his will, for the praise of the glory of his grace that he granted us in the beloved. In him we were also chosen, destined in accord with the purpose of the one who accomplishes all things according to the intention of his will, so that we might exist for the praise of his glory, we who first hoped in Christ. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Alleluia, alleluia, alleluia. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Glory to you, O Lord. The angel Gabriel was sent from God to a town of Galilee called Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man named Joseph of the house of David. 
and the virgin's name was Mary. And coming to her aid, he said, Hail, full of grace, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at what was said, and pondered what sort of greeting this might be. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. He will be great, and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of David his father, and he will rule over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. But Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I have no relations with a man? And the angel said to her in reply, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age, and this is the sixth month for her, her who is called barren, for nothing will be impossible for God. Mary said, Behold, I am the handmaid of the Lord. May it be done to me according to your word. Then the angel departed from her. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Today we celebrate the solemnity of the Immaculate Conception of the Blessed Virgin Mary. Obviously not the conception of Jesus, of Jesus being conceived, but the fact that Mary was conceived without the stain of original sin from a pervenient redemptive grace of God. God saved her before she could be muddied by the waters of sin, and she was freed from that uh, by Christ's saving merits. Now today is also the last day of the year of St. Joseph. It concludes today, and if you look at this feast day in that light, especially in the book of Genesis, those three questions God asks Adam, where are you? Who told you you were naked? And what is this you have done? Or in this translation, why did you do such a thing? These are the sinful ways of looking at man, of who told you that there was something wrong with you. And the Immaculate Conception is the end of looking at man according to shame, guilt, and something fundamentally wrong with human nature. It's the beginning of looking at not just uh, our Blessed Mother, but using the her as the lens by which you see all humanity because the lens of Mary is Jesus Christ and seeing each person in Jesus Christ means not seeing them according to uh, the lusts of the flesh or the the greed of wanting more or the power struggle but seeing all things as a blessing from God and seeing each person in the goodness of God and if you think about Saint Joseph spending every day in the presence of the Immaculate Conception or for yourself spending every moment in the presence of the Immaculate Conception and letting the power of redemption enter into your thoughts, to your presence. It is the beginning of the end of the reign of sin. It's the beginning of redemption. Let us on this wonderful feast day enter into this grace, not just of pondering Mary's purity, but embracing the purity God wants to give all of us. Let us rise to profess our faith. I believe in one God, the Father, Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all things visible and invisible. I believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, born of the Father before all ages, God from God, 
light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, consubstantial with the Father. Through him all things were made. For us men and for our salvation he came down from heaven, and by the Holy Spirit was incarnate of the Virgin Mary and became man. For our sake he was crucified under Pontius Pilate, he suffered death and was buried, and rose again on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. He ascended into heaven, and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son is adored and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. I believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. I confess one baptism for the forgiveness of sins, and I look forward to the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. We bring our petitions to the Lord. We pray that through the power of Mary's Immaculate Conception, each of the faithful may come to the vocation of holiness, the call to be a saint that God has given them in their baptism. For this we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayers. We pray for our Holy Father, O bishops and priests, that through the, the intercession of St. Joseph, they may guard and govern the flock with care and with joy. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayers. We pray for our government leaders, that they may permit gospel values to flourish in culture. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayers. For the sick, the suffering, the poor, we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayers. And for all of our beloved dead, we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayers. Heavenly Father, we ask you to hear us, for we make these and all our petitions in the holy name of Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord. Amen. Amen. Sing of Mary, pure and lowly, Virgin Mother undefiled. Sing of God's own Son, most holy, who became her little child. Fairest child of fairest mother, God the Lord, who came to earth, Word made flesh, our very brother, takes our nature by his birth. Sing of Jesus, son of Mary, in the home at Nazareth. Toil and labor cannot weary, love enduring unto death. Constant was the love he gave her, though he went forth from her side, forth to preach and heal and suffer, till on Calvary he died. Pray, brethren, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God, the Almighty Father. May the Lord accept the sacrifice at your hands for the praise and glory of his name, for our good and the good of all his holy church. Graciously accept the saving sacrifice which we offer you, O Lord, on the solemnity of the Immaculate Conception of the Blessed Virgin Mary, granted as we profess her, on account of your prevenient grace, to be untouched by any stain of sin, so through her intercession, 
we may be delivered from all our faults through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and just. It is truly right and just, our duty and our salvation always and everywhere to give you thanks. Lord, Holy Father, Almighty and Eternal God, you, for you preserved the most blessed Virgin Mary from all stain of original sin, so that in her, endowed with the rich fullness of your grace, you might prepare a worthy mother of your son and signify the beginning of the church, his beautiful bride without spot or wrinkle. She, the most pure virgin, was to bring forth a son, the innocent lamb who would wipe away our offenses. You placed her above all others to be for your people an advocate of grace, a model of holiness. And so in company with the choirs of angels, we praise you and with joy we proclaim. Song to whose, song to whose, Sanctus Dominus Deus Sabaoth, Pleni sum celi et terra, Gloria tua, Hosanna in excelsis, Benedictus, qui venit in nomine Domini, Hosanna in excelsis. You are indeed Holy, O Lord, the fount of all holiness. Make holy, therefore, these gifts, we pray, by sending down your Spirit upon them like the dewfall, so that they may become for us the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. At the time he was betrayed and entered willingly into his passion, he took bread and, giving thanks, broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and eat of it, for this is my body which will be given up for you. In a similar way, when supper was ended, he took the chalice, and once more giving thanks, he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and drink from it, for this is the chalice of my blood, the blood of the new and eternal covenant, which will be poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in memory of me. A mystery of faith. We proclaim your death, O Lord, and profess your resurrection until you come again. Therefore, as we celebrate the memorial of his death and resurrection, we offer you, Lord, the bread of life and the chalice of salvation, giving thanks that you have held us worthy to be in your presence and minister to you. Humbly we pray that partaking of the body and blood of Christ we may be gathered into one by the Holy Spirit. Remember, Lord, your church spread throughout the world and bring her to the fullness of charity, together with Francis, our Pope, Michael, our Bishop, and all the clergy. Remember also our brothers and sisters who have fallen asleep in the hope of the resurrection and all who have died in your mercy. Welcome them into the light of your face. Have mercy on us all, we pray, that with the Blessed Virgin Mary, Mother of God, Blessed Joseph, her spouse, with the Blessed Apostles, and all the saints who have pleased you throughout the ages, 
we may merit to be coerced to eternal life and may praise and glorify you through your Son, Jesus Christ. Row him and with him and in him, O God, Almighty Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor is yours forever and ever. Amen. Proceptis salutaribus moniti, et divin institutioni formati, audehimus dicere, Pater noster, qui es in celis, sanctificetur nomen tuum, adveniat regnum tuum, fiat voluntas tua, sicut in celo et in terra, Panem nostrum quotidianum da nobis hodie, et imite nobis debita nostra, sicut et nos dimitimus debitoribus nostris, et ne nos inducas in tentationem, sed libera nos amalo. Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil. Graciously grant peace in our days and by the help of your mercy we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Lord Jesus Christ, who said to your apostles, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Look not on our sins, but on the faith of your church, and graciously grant her peace and unity in accordance with your will, who live and reign forever and ever. Amen. The peace of the Lord be with you always. And with your spirit. Let us offer each other the sign of peace. On you stay, quitolis peccatam hundi, miserere nobis. On you stay, quitolis peccatam hundi, Miserere nobis, Agnus Dei, Quitolis peccatam undi, Dona nobis pacem. Behold the Lamb of God. Behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those who are called to the supper of the Lamb. Lord, I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof, but only say the word, and my soul shall be healed. May the body of Christ give me saved to eternal life. Communion Antiphon Glorious things are spoken of you, O Mary, for from you arose the Son of Justice, Christ our God. An act of spiritual communion. By Jesus, I love you very much, and although at this moment I cannot receive you sacramentally, I beg you to come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you are already there.
let us pray. May the sacrament we have received, O Lord our God, heal in us wounds that fault from which in a singular way you preserve Blessed Mary in her immaculate conception, through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. And may Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go in peace, glorifying the Lord by your life. Thanks be to God. Our Lady of the Most Holy Trinity, Most Holy, Immaculate Virgin Mary, You are the Mother of God Himself, The Prayer to St. Michael St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world seeking the ruins of souls. Amen. Prayer of Deliverance Almighty God and Father, we beg Thee through the intercession and help of the Archangels St. Michael, Raphael, and Gabriel for the deliverance of our brothers and sisters who are enslaved by the evil one from anxiety, sadness, and obsessions. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From hatred, fornication, and envy. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From thoughts of jealousy, rage, and death. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every thought of suicide and abortion. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every form of sinful sexuality. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every division in our family and every harmful friendship. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every sort of spell, malefice, witchcraft, and every form of the occult. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. Thou who said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, grant that through the intercession of the Virgin Mary we may be liberated from every demonic influence and enjoy thy peace always. In the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. All Catholic, all the time. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul.